Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the deep swamp political equivalent of a red revenge porn. The, the guy got fired because he didn't obey the chain of command, because he was out of touch with what President Donald J. Trump stands for in terms of foreign policy. He created his own autonomous zone here at the White House. He disrespected everybody. So I, I just <laughs> like the term revenge porn. You don't hear that that often in uh, wow. government circles. That Bolden's book was revenge, deep swamp revenge porn is what it was. I'm glad that's a metaphor, not literally true, because I don't want to see that porn no. Ugh, ever. Yeah. Well, that's a strong statement, Jack, about the exciting John Bolton book, The Room Where It Happened, soon to be in a bookstore near you, and he will make lots and lots of money, even as he is getting his ears punched both on the right and the left. Oh, yeah, he's getting it from both sides. Um, uh, and for fairly obvious reasons. Um, uh, yeah, and, and you know, we could talk about it, but I like some of the uh, the verbal uh, ear punches he took from 
uh, Charlie Hurt on Brett Bear's special report on Fox News. And coming up, we have uh, Adam Schiff um, uh, blasting him. I don't know. What do you want to do first? You want to do Charlie Hurt? Sure. His rant's long. Let's let's listen to, to clip 31 see if we want more. I don't doubt that uh, he is certainly a copious note taker, uh, but that's really not the issue here. Um, you know, the idea that, that he is going to accuse the president of uh, trying to do things to get himself reelected. Well, that's what politicians do. And the idea that uh, President Trump is going to go to China and try to get a good trade deal for farmers back home, somehow this is somehow nefarious because it lines up with his own political interests, I find absolutely preposterous, especially when you compare it to what Vice President Biden and his son are accused of trying to do uh, to, 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 uh, in the case of his son trying to feather his own nest financially. I'm not sure we had to throw Hunter Biden in there, but he felt the need. Or Hunter first, coming in for a kicking out of nowhere. The, uh, the first part of it, though, was absolutely defensible because Bolton characterizes what Trump said to she about uh, a, a good farm deal would be good for his reelection. But again, that's not weird or nefarious. That's what every president does. I mean, if he like sells out the Marines to get an, a, a deal for China to buy more oats, okay, all right, that would be an issue. But, you know, that's not even been accused. All right, yeah, you earned another clip, Charlie, 32. To listen to, to uh, John Bolton, who's been around Washington in the foreign policy circles forever, talk about uh, President Trump being unfit for office. My goodness, he's fit for office in one respect. He's been elected to something. John Bolton has never been elected to anything. Uh, Donald Trump got elected to, to uh, be president, to stand up to China, to reduce American military footprint around the world, and he has fought tooth and nail, whether it's John Bolton or the mili- uh, generals in the military, he has fought tooth and nail to try to make good on those promises. Does that help him get reelected? Of course it helps him get reelected. That's how politics Politics works. That's how democracy is supposed to work. Uh, did Trump tweet this or say it yesterday? But talking about John Bolton, about how uh, I had to appoint you to something because I would, couldn't have gotten you confirmed by the Senate to any position. <laughs> right. So I had to because <laughs> everybody to hates you, you so much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know gets to the question of uh, why were you bringing him in in the first place? That's what I wonder about. General Flynn and and John Bolton. I, of why do you want them on your team? There was only one argument that I heard that made a lot of sense, and that. Trump thought Bolton. Everyone. Trump thought that everyone thought Bolton was crazy, and that he wanted him as like a, a rabid dog on a leash in terms of because <laughs> he said because right. when you walk into the room with Bolton, everyone thinks you're going to war. So he wanted that threat for negotiating purposes. Mm. Don't don't make don't let me put Bolton in charge because you don't want that. That could be because that, that made sense to me. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense because I remember at the time thinking. Trump is the least interventiony president we've had in forever, going back to Carter in terms of wanting to get you know into various dust-ups around the country. Bolton's the exact opposite, right? It was an odd hire to begin with. So uh, let's let's play a little Adam Schiff, also a blast in the mustache. Got the uh, smallest, thinnest neck I've ever seen. Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> a little pencil neck Schiff. Clip 37, please. Bolton made it clear that if we subpoenaed him that he would sue us and tie us up in court. Uh, but Bolton's argument was essentially, no, that it would uh, potentially uh, impede on the on the president, that it would violate potentially his constitutional duty. Apparently, those concerns gave way to a $2 million book offer. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, underst- right. I understand why the Democrats are so mad at him. And, uh, and, I, and if you believe John Bolton, you should be mad at him just as an American. Look, if you think the guy is unfit to be the leader of the world and you've got information that would have gotten him impeached, you owe it to the world, you owe it to your country to go and testify. But you didn't because you wanted to get rich, which is about as cynical and selfish as you can get. All right, clip or you oh, made this, or you're making this crap up. It's one of the two. Either you believe it and you're a selfish, unpatriotic, whatever you are, or you're exaggerating. And as Trey Gowdy says, he didn't come and testify because it wouldn't stand up to cross examination. Um, or you're you're making it up to make money. There's really only two choices. And listen, we're a little more familiar with some of this than probably some of you are, but the. The political tell-all Washington big-name book business is huge. I mean, it is a huge business, and they have incredibly smart uh, agents and editors and publishers who do this for a living. And they have you write your your rough draft, sometimes with help, then they go through it, and, and they figure out, all right, this incident, can we make this one sound a little more dramatic? They rewrite. They edit. You know, whether that editing and, and jazzing it up turns into semi-fictional probably depends on the book and the chapter and the the incident we're talking about. But they're not, like, exciting and dramatic accidentally. They're trying to sell books. All right, let's do that last uh, shift clip, 38. So we have to take it seriously. Uh, you could certainly question, uh, and I think should question, John Bolton's patriotism in withholding this information during an impeachment proceeding. But uh, that doesn't necessarily detract from the seriousness of what he alleges against the president. I tell you what, it goes a long way toward credibility, though, or lack thereof. And the uh, fact that he had devastating impeachable information and waited months and months through the impeachment, by the way, until he could make a whole bunch of money. Then the other side saying, what? This stuff is made up. And one of uh, several people yesterday who say things didn't happen the way we reported. This is a guy named Lighthizer, who's a part of Trump's world. Absolutely untrue. Never happened. I was there. I have no recollection of that ever happening. I don't believe it's true. I don't believe it ever happened. I don't remember which exact clip it was, but it was one of Trump said this or that that was uh, news for 48 hours. I think and it was uh, asking Chairman Xi for agricultural buys. That but this guy was in the meeting and says that never happened, so I don't know. Where does that leave you? I don't know. There you go. And And like all these stories, this is about how long they last. A couple of days. And they disappear. I don't. Tick, I don't. Tick, believe, tick, I don't believe tick. anybody ever reads these books. <laughs> I don't know anybody who's ever read one of these books. I've never read one of these books. And I read a lot of books. I, I've read some. I mean, like the Gates book. I, I really enjoyed. I read oh, most I, part I, of it. I don't. I wouldn't put that in the category of this at okay. all. All right. At all. The the scandal uh, ridden. Uh, right. Qu- yeah. Yeah. Insider quickie book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I gave you that Amoroso book as a gift. You tell me you, you never read that? Well, it's right. It's at the top of my stack, Sean. It's the next book I'm going to read. Can't wait. I mean, fascinating woman. Hmm? <laughs> oh, boy. Boy is right. You know, we could get into the DACA decision. I don't want to talk about it a no, lot. No, Just the, you know, the only know. thing you need to know about it is that the, the soup said, nah, if you're going to do what you did, you got to do it a different way. They did not rule these beautiful, wonderful dreamers should be protected. But no, it was an administrative law thing. It was dry. It was boring. It, it, it's a good illustration of how bloated the government's gotten and how Congress doesn't pass laws. Uh, bureaucrats do. Or, you know, executive orders establish laws. But it really didn't say much about immigration at all. 
And isn't it funny how Congress is not even trying to do anything about the immigration issue, uh, or DACA, for instance, so they can still have it as an issue come November. It's funny how that works. Yeah, well. So it's Juneteenth, and uh, celebrations across the country for that, which is uh, nice. Sure. I was unaware of Juneteenth until like a week ago, but uh, maybe that makes me a bad person. As Probably. Joe, as Joe often says, there are lots of things that make sure. you a bad person, so sure. it's not try to nail it down to one. Let me take a look at this camel's back x-rays. That <laughs> uh, still looks okay. <laughs> a couple of more straws, maybe, but uh, yeah, it's a, I think everybody's in favor of freeing slaves, so yeah, t- t- happy uh, Juneteenth to you. Tonight is my last new show for the summer. I'm taking the summer off to spend even more time with my family. I've been doing this job for almost 18 years. I've done 3,130 shows, and there's nothing wrong. My family is healthy. I'm healthy. I just need a couple of months off. So while I am gone, a cavalcade of very kind and capable people will be filling in for me. I think you're going to be very happy with them. They will be guest hosting the show. Guillermo, you'll make sure they don't steal any of my stuff, right? Okay, Jimmy. Hilarious. Jimmy Kimmel. Thanks to alert listener George for sending along this headline. Okay. Jimmy Kimmel announces summer leave amidst blackface controversy. Surely that's not the reason. It is absolutely the reason. He will be taking the summer off after facing criticism over wearing blackface in a recurring skit he performed while on The Man Show on Comedy Central. Oh, that's when he did that. He would do Carl Malone, is that right? Carl Malone, exactly. From roughly 99 through 04. And everybody was fine with it. Nobody thought it was, uh, like, evil. Who thinks Jimmy Kimmel is a racist? Anybody actually think Jimmy Kimmel is a racist? That's he the did pro- a blackface skit. But that's the problem I have with so much of this stuff. We we skip over the, are the is this person a racist question and just go to a costume or a word you said or whatever, and then you're right. done. And we skip over the, are you a racist? Who thinks Jimmy Kimmel's a racist? He's, or do you understand maybe you shouldn't have done that? Right. No, it doesn't matter. No, there's no trial. There's just the execution. He's one of the biggest voices in, in like, liberal politics. Nobody right. thinks Jimmy Kimmel's a racist. It now, doesn't I, matter. Uh, I'm, I'm not certain that this is the reason he's taken a couple of months off. Anyway, because Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon just went through it and was fine. Came out. Well, he did one blackface skit imitating Chris Rock. Brilliantly, by the way. Kimmel, the racist, um, did the, the skit over and over again on The Man Show. It's inexcusable. Now, Jimmy Fallon apologized. Uh, of course, as we, we mentioned earlier today, i got to find that quote. I thought it was so good um, from Elizabeth Brunig. And, and, and I hate it when anybody uses the term blackface. Right. Blackface was something specific from the minstrel shows of the early 20th century. It wasn't wearing makeup so you appear to be a black person. It's wearing makeup so you appear to be a, a, a racist, cartoonish version of a black person. But anyway, having said that, uh, Jimmy Kimmel's, I'm sorry, Jimmy Fallon's apology. In 2000 and on SNL, I made a terrible decision to do an impersonation of Chris Rock while in blackface. There's no excuse for this. I'm very sorry for making this unquestionably offensive decision, and thank all of you for holding me accountable. You know, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. God dang it. Oh, please don't. 
I don't know what you can, but I don't believe those words he just said. I don't believe, I mean, maybe he does mean them. I don't think that's offensive. Why is that offensive? Uh, imitating Chris Rock with makeup on? I don't know. Ask Chris Rock, I guess. Uh, we, I love this quote from Elizabeth Brunig, who tweeted, There's just something unsustainable about an environment that demands constant atonement, but actively disdains the very idea of forgiveness. Past guest host for Kimmel have included 2020 Democratic presidential hopeful Pete Butt Edge 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 Edge, they say. <laughs> Along with Matt Damon, Will Arnett, Kristen Bell. Or is it Kirsten? Kristen Bell, Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt, and Tracy Ellis Ross, who I don't know. They're Hollywood types, Jack. Very famous. Uh-huh. Very pretty. <laughs> very And probably not racists like racist Jimmy Kimmel. What year did uh, did these things happen again? 99 through 04. 2004. Remember 2004? It was a very racist country back then. You could get away with very racist things anytime you wanted to. And People were scared to, to you know to raise their hand and 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 uh, mention that they're uh, against this sort of thing. Well, if you admit you're a racist, you're a racist, and if you deny you're a racist, you're a racist. So yes, '04 was a racist time, according to the critical but race theory folks. Something that was you could do <laughs> on a national television show just a couple of years ago, and nobody even thought show. twice about it, really. Mm-hmm. And you've had. Uh, you know, good, firm, liberal credentials ever since. Right. It's just, it's it's nonsensical. Well, it's, it's, it's presentism. You know, if you're going to have a nice, calm discussion about, you know, this isn't cool and here's why. And Kimmel said, you know what, I completely agree with you. I'm sorry I did that. I didn't mean any offense. That should be the end of it. And, and it may be because he is a lefty. But, of course, that poor woman who the Washington Post hounded for a two-year-old incident uh, is a good, solid lefty herself, but she's been fired from her job now because she's got to taint a racism about her. Um, any more on the George Washington statue that came down in Portland last night? Yeah, I have a little on that. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh, no, that's the poor woman getting hand Chopped it down a cherry tree. Got caught no, and no. admitted to it. No, he didn't. Said, I cannot no, tell a lie. he didn't. Uh, 57th and Sandy in Portlandia. Uh, a, a bunch of people in the dark of the night. It's not clear how many. There was a smallish crowd hanging around. Uh, pulled down the George Washington statue. And was it? And spray painted graffiti upon the base. And was it uh, lefties who think slave owners shouldn't have statues? Was it right wingers who want America to think lefties are tearing down our history? Was it Russia who wants us to kill each other? Well, I, I listened to, I watched the video of it happening, and it was a big enough crowd. I mean, if it was the, the secret, bemasked right wingers imitating lefties, they had the crowd fooled. Because mm. the crowd thought it was one of them. And there aren't a lot of, like, clan meetings in Portland <laughs> going on. So I think it was uh, the sincerely misguided lunatics of the useful left. Everyone is cheering and clapping. Portland mayor did say yesterday. I said, do, I'm sorry, I was reading one of the tweets from the scene. The Portland mayor said yesterday, "I do not want an autonomous zone." We mentioned they tried to get a uh, Chaz going in Portland in the middle of the night, and they tore it down quickly. Although it was right in front of the mayor's home, we then found out which might have had a role if it had started across <laughs> town in a you know somebody else's neighborhood. Uh, maybe they would have let it go. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, so they they spray painted the statue in the base, then they set fire to it. 
A truck drove by yelling, George Floyd would have hated this. Y'all are bags of ass. That's pretty good. Another drives by yelling, bring it down. I can't get Somebody dry. Somebody yells, MAGA 2020. <laughs> I can't, jeez. I can't get dry bri- briquettes to catch on fire with lighter fluid. How do you get a statue to set on fire? Well, you're, you'd be a bad arsonist. I would yeah. be. That's one job I should never sign up for. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. My girlfriend went, what do you want for Father's Day? And I went, I don't want anything. Don't even worry about it. I don't want anything. And she goes, come on, you got to have something. I said, honestly, I don't want anything. And she goes, come on. And I went, it's my money. Just don't touch it. Just leave my money alone. <laughs> how, how hard is this? How about for 24 hours you don't touch my money? That will be a gift. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> That's why every single father has that one Father's Day gift that they cherish. It's like a ceramic mug that the kid made in school where the handle's too big and it says, I heart dad. And they keep that for 20 years, this mug. And do you want to know why they like it? Every now and again, they look at it and go, that cost me nothing, that mug. <laughs> it's right. It's, it's Papa's Day. Uh, Sunday. Sunday is Father's Day, and I feel like uh, fathers get cheated by it being in the summer because kids aren't in school where they've got, like, art projects and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're in favor of compulsory, or not compulsive, <laughs> compulsory summer art projects for Dad. <laughs> I'd like a mug like that. I'd drink out of that. That'd be very exciting. Uh, I have a, a big uh, a box, a folder, a, a container of all sorts of art projects and birthday cards my my kids did for me and stuff like that and i'll i'll take them out and and look at them now and again it makes me uh, hate humanity a little less i have a drawer full of them yes and uh yeah yeah, yeah can't imagine nice. ever getting rid of them yeah breaking news out of tulsa jack oops tulsa mayor declares civil emergency ahead of trump rally and then uh they're kicking people out uh, the mayor, who's a Republican, declared a civil emergency, announced a curfew near the arena where Trump plans to hold a campaign rally on Saturday. Bynum, the mayor, cited civil recent civil unrest, expected crowds in excess of 100,000 in the vicinity, and opposition protests in his decision to place a federal exclusion zone, whatever that is, for a six-block radius, radius near the arena, and there was some allusion to, oh, here it is. I've received information from the Tulsa Police Department and other law enforcement agencies that show individuals from organized groups who have been involved in destructive and violent behavior in other states are planning to travel to the city of Tulsa for purposes of causing unrest in and around the rally. So they're shutting it down or something. Yeah, well, I've got something to say about that, but I'll save it for later. Um, just came across this. It's still not clear how much infectious material is in the feces of a person with COVID-19. Oh, boy, you could have issued a warning before, you know, dropping an F-bomb. This is a story about public restrooms and how safe they are from the uh, the bat fever. Mm. And uh, the, the big takeaway, because I was actually interested in this, because it talks about you going to a public restroom or uh, taking your kids in there or whatever. 
uh, small, poorly ventilated, high volume of traffic seems like a bad place to be. It's really about the amount. The, the key factor is the amount of time you spend in there. Mm. And uh, so you want to dash into it and dash out. It says here, quoting one of the doctors, most people aren't sitting in a public bathroom for hours and hours. Well, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to meet people. I just oh, hang geez. out by the sink. Hey, how's it going? Or hide. <laughs> um, some of those most important transmission is occurring at home, they think, all across the country, because uh, you spend a lot more time around uh, you know, whoever might have it and breathing in their, 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 their breath, their breathy breath. Um, sure. So anyway, run in and out. Wear a mask. I think that'd be the answer. Wash your hands like crazy. And then one more thing on the, on the, the, the COVID thing. Um, antibodies. Uh, you may have antibodies after the coronavirus infection, but not for long. This was just published yesterday. What? New information. This is not good. No, it's not. Antibodies to the virus faded quickly in asymptomatic people, scientists reported. Lazy, lazy antibodies. So you could get the virus, but if you didn't really have symptoms, it, the, the the antibodies you built up go away pretty quickly. But then it it's says... It's like if the cops show up and there's not much going on, they just go back to the precinct. The, the com- antibodies think, eh, no big deal. To complicate matters anymore. And the antibodies, uh, if you don't know, that's that's how you test to see if you've had it, right? And then in theory, you're somewhat immune to the damn thing. And uh, that's what we're all hoping to get. Something called herd immunity, where enough of us have it that the virus can't find anybody to latch onto anymore. Anyway, uh, to further complicate things, antibodies quickly go away in asymptomatic people, but that does not mean immunity disappears. <laughs> so you might be immune, but you have no antibodies, so there's no what? way to know it. So what good this does that This story sucks. This story does suck all the way around. Yeah, Thanks, I, scientist. Does anybody know anything about the Chinese bat fever? Anything at all? Great, Scott. That story, I'm confused. Although a friend of mine did just send me a, a clipping from... Uh, was it the state guidelines for avoiding getting the bat fever? And and they mentioned a particular uh, act of affection that uh, is controversial. Moistly. <laughs> no, it's not that. But uh, they uh, say don't do that anymore. So I I would say once you get past like your top five acts of affection, leave the leaves numbers six through eight out. Okay, that's as specific as I want to get. Wow. Yeah. See, I can't even imagine what you're talking about. Oh, I bet you can. Because even num- <laughs> because even number one is going to put you. Uh, your first act of affection usually is uh, going to put you in a pretty Sharon Jeremy sort of situation. I tell you, make I tell you what, make your own little private list in your own head. Uh, you know, okay, then you could. Well, you could do this. But some people do that. Well, a few people do that. Once you get to number six, don't be doing that. All right. Number seven will shock you. <laughs> and it ain't going to be on our air. But I tell you this. This is a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe, beloved sponsor of the Armstrong and Getty Show. They offer you the best overall home security that's available. According to U.S. News and World Report, the best. Come on now. We're living in a bat virus, Great Depression zombie apocalypse. When have you ever needed home security more than you need right now? I hear that. And you want the best security out there, the best home security of 2020, according to U.S. News and World Report. You can get by ordering online, comes to your house, you set it up yourself. Nobody's going to come to your house. And you can set it up pretty quickly and easily. And now you've got this fantastic home security. Costs about 50 cents a day. You're not locked into a contract if you decide you don't want to do it anymore. As a matter of fact, if you decide within a, you know, 
a couple of weeks, you don't want to do it. They've got a 60-day money-back guarantee with Simply Safe. Yep, no expensive, messy install with some rando at your house either. This is the best system. It's less expensive, and it's easy. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Simply is S-I-M-P-L-I. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong so they know we sent you. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Do this today. Oh, what I was going to say about the uh, the Trump rally that they're going to have. Um, and now they're, what, they're worried about security and all that sort of stuff, and they think bad people are coming in? Uh, yeah, yeah, and the vid, of course. The only freestanding Trump store in America is in Sholo, Arizona, and my parents live up in that area, so I've driven by it and visited and purchased there many times. But apparently there was a story that uh, uh, groups from Los Angeles were coming to uh, vandalize it, Uh-oh. so they hired a bunch of security to prepare for it. The groups never showed up. It's quite possible there were no groups and it was Putin people or or trolls or whatever. So, you know, that's a good call. I'll bet you're right on that. It's funny. I was looking at this story about them pulling down the George Washington statue in Portland. There was a rumor going around that a bunch of Proud Boys were about to show up and beat the hell out of everybody. So the whole radical group about to show up thing is really hot these days. Yeah, and they often don't show up, and you got to wonder what's going on there. And, I mean, that we, we know for a fact Putin has been doing that sort of thing. Going way back, where he organized rallies on both sides of uh, very contentious uh, issues. So, you know, that's just something they do. So, God dang it, I don't know how they're going to pull off these political rallies. My other part on that would be, if you don't like Trump, and you th- and you believe he is the, the obvious buffoon that he is in your mind, why wouldn't you just let him have his rallies and say his things? If you think that is also, look at this guy. Who would vote for him? If you think that's true, why wouldn't you just want him to have his rallies? I don't know. These are, some people are just spoiling for a fight. They want to start a revolution or a war or whatever. They're a bunch of undereducated, uh, over-classroomed, 20-year-old dopes. Uh, who knows? So is the rally... St- I thought he had moved the rally to not be on Juneteenth. Is it he now? Did. It's Saturday. It's, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. evening. Yeah. So I got to believe this is going to be as uh, Trump unleashed as there's ever been a Trump unleashed. Yeah. He's down in the polls. He's been under fire. He hasn't had a rally in a long time. He's got a lot of material backed up in in, in his head that he's been spoiling to say. This a could million just, ticket requests. This a could, million. This could just be turnt. <laughs> I'd love it when you go street. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to catch this live or at least record the whole thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Must watch. It could be off the chain. As the kids say. As the kids say. I don't when know. they're trying to be street. I don't hang any around. I don't think kids. the kids say that anymore. <laughs> I haven't heard any kids say that. <laughs> Not for quite some time. <laughs> My kids say, Dad, can I have another popsicle? That's all they ever say. <laughs> Is that a euphemism or do they just want a frozen treat? My kids go through more popsicles. What's the number of popsicles you should have in a day? Oh, in the I summer? S- I don't know if there's a cap. Oh, really? I'd say any more than two is uh, bad parenting. Well, they vary a lot in health because uh, there are popsicles that are really a stick of sugar. And then there are ones that are uh, fruit juice that are a stick of sugar. Then there are ones that are fruit juice that are just fruit. Um, they're pre- pretty healthier, a lot healthier. And they vary a lot. I'm a fudgesicle man myself. <laughs> well, you know, okay, now you got to have a number on it. I think one fudgesicle every yeah. couple days is probably plenty. I thought this was America. You shouldn't even have one fudge. Do you say fudgesicle like I do or fudgical? I had a roommate who said fudgical, and it drove me crazy. I, I That's funny. That's probably what brought us together those many years ago. I, saying fudgical seems so cutesy to me. 
<laughs> I just, I can't take it. If you're my 20-year-old girlfriend, you can say fudgical. If you're <laughs> a grown man, don't say fudgical. <laughs> yeah, if you're my 20-year-old girlfriend eating a, uh, a fudgical, you can say anything you want. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a tribe. Yeah, I was going to. I'm not going to drive a wedge between anything over that. Oh, no. You, you, I want to get to some of those six acts we were talking about earlier. <laughs> and, and watching you eat that thing, well, I, just, I don't but know. But yes, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, new video, that's probably enough said on that. New video game about to land that's controversial. Sean knows about it, thank God, because uh, I don't know anything about it, and it's, it's going to be huge. That and other stuff on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. That reminds me, Bob Dylan's new album comes out today. He's got a new album out today. I've listened to a couple of tracks from it. Are they uh, all 18 minutes long? No, no, they aren't. Okay. But that that 18-minute song about JFK's assassination is on there. Fascinating tune. But um, anyway, if you like Dylan, he's got a new album out today. Check it out on whatever streaming service you get. Uh, We were just having a conversation about, I was asking... How many popsicles is too many per day? I'm kind of wondering. It's going to be 100 degrees where I live today, and I'm thinking they're going to have around four, probably, popsicles spread out of a, over a 100-degree day. I don't know where that ranks in terms of a good parenting move or bad parenting move or not. But man, a kid is happy. You finally give in and say yes to another popsicle. They are in full 100% enjoyment, sitting on the couch, watching a show, having a popsicle. I'm never that happy as an adult as they are in that moment. I feel like four on a 100-degree day is in a good range. I feel like that's okay. The thing every adult should work toward is living in the moment the way kids do. They're not thinking about when the popsicle's gone, later today, tomorrow, when school starts again, you know, 20 years from now like you are when you're an adult. No, just right now, I got a popsicle and a TV show. Bliss. That's why I need to work on. A couple of entertainment things to mention. AMC is the world's largest movie chain theater. They won't be requiring masks. The people that work there will wear masks, but the uh, they're not going to require you to wear masks. Why? We did not want to be drawn into the political controversy over masks, says the CEO of AMC. We thought it might be counterproductive if we forced mask wearing on those people who believe strongly that it's not necessary. And we think that the vast majority of AMC guests will be wearing masks on their own. I don't know how that fits into states where it's a requirement. I think you have to. Right. So in California, everybody in an AMC is going to have a mask just because of yeah. local laws. And they can point to the local law and not, you know, quote unquote, get dragged into the controversy because they're not the ones making the decision. Um, I live in a county where masks have been mandatory for a couple of months now. And like you can't step into the quickie mart or wherever without a mask on, or they were to tell you you got to leave without a mask, and, you know, don't don't get mad at them. They didn't make the rule. They're just enforcing the rules. They'll get in trouble and get a fine if they allow people in. It's just, yeah, so don't blame them. And then the other uh, entertainment thing I wanted to hit on, I, I know nothing about this. I could not know less about video games. I'm here to help. Uh, my kids were playing... Mario Kart? Super oh. Mario Brothers 8. I don't know what they were playing. Mario one Kart 8 or something like that? One, yeah. one of those yesterday. Mario Kart a classic. And, yeah, those love games. It. and competing against each other and really enjoying themselves. They won't probably be playing this incredibly violent new video game that is coming out. No, they should not. The Last of Us Part 2 is a dark game for a dark time, according to the New York Times. Set in a violent, tribal, pandemic-ravaged world, 
The long-awaited Naughty Dog epic. You Naughty Dog. <laughs> the long-awaited Naughty Dog, do, naughty dog epic will leave you damaged and awed. Naughty Dog. Leave been... me damaged? Who wants to take in any sort of entertainment that will leave you damaged? Oh, I can't wait to play this you game. You want to be damaged? Yes. Okay, a brief explanation, if you could, of what the hell this is, since this is part two and is sweeping the nation. Uh, so the the uh, it's essentially a zombie esque pandemic right there's a there's a disease going around if they're zombies or not is probably you know it's uh, i just use that as kind of a metaphor of, of what's going on they're not you know zombies per se but it's a it's a survival mode game where uh things uh sometimes even other people might be out to get you um it is i think technically a third person shooter but it's a it's a so that's where the violence comes from you have to oftentimes shoot your way out of these situations well this is a warning for parents i guess uh this is what they said in the new york times the sequel this video game the last of us part two that is super huge popular and i'd never even heard of it the sequel takes gore to a level that is uncomfortable even by the standards of video games and seemingly does everything in its power to make gamers feel bad about the act of playing it. Do you think that's overstated? Uh, no. I wow. Think, I, I think this game very much. Wow. Is uh does does those sort of things? Yeah. Yeah. Can you give me an example of without horrifying people? I mean, what what is going to what is going to leave me damaged? Like uh, violence. You may have to, so you may be uh going through the game with someone. And then they get infected, and now you have to maybe kill that person in, in okay. order for you to survive is probably the the one of the more. Well, I'll take their word for it. Um, but also the I I'm also projecting off of only knowing the the previous game. This game has not yet been released. The embargo on the reviews have just been released. That's why all these things are coming out now. Um, but the the first one highly regarded as as one of the best games of the last decade. The early reviews on this one are amazing. But uh, I would. I cannot stress enough, this is not a game for children. I think, you know, anything below high school, I would have serious questions about letting people uh, well, play this game. I, I'm clearly not. It sounds like it's not for even uh, certain adults. This right. this reviewer in the New York Times said, I'd already invested 14 emotionally debilitating hours to review this. Emotionally debilitating. Wow. That's, I'm, I, don't, I don't sign up for that sort of thing, but, you know. I think this, uh, it's... For me, I don't have the real life exposure to a lot of emotions that come with the the responsibilities of adulthood based on a lot of decisions I've made in my life. So I enjoy movies that make me feel those sort of things, right? right. I, I not necessarily seek them out, but I welcome them in my viewing rotations. And I think this game is is trying to do something similar. And and this game is certainly in the realm of it's like playing an interactive, you know, twenty hour movie. Wow. It's a Sony production, by the way. Uh, Naughty um, Dog is also the company of the game. You emotionally debilitating uh, will leave you damaged. So keep that in mind if your uh, 14-year-old says, can I get The Last of Us Part 2? Or you find out they're over to a friend's house playing it. That's probably the more likely thing that's going to happen. Is some of this marketing, though? I mean, just well, get... I, uh, I, these are reviews. They, yeah, this is a review in the New York Times. Um, so I doubt that they had any reason to uh, to hype it up. And and while the, that's the first one I've heard about, quote unquote, being leaving you damaged. Jeez, um, oh, that's that's a hell of a thing to say. There is certainly a common theme throughout of these that this is one of the more emotionally taxing games that I've ever played. Wow, what an interesting experiment in what we're doing with ourselves. Um. 
Yeah, I almost want to check it out uh, just just to be able to comment on it more. When it comes out, I'll I'll be playing it. I'll I'll okay. be able to to speak on it a little bit more. Uh, here's here's Actually, I think it came out yesterday. Didn't here's it? one reviewer, Michael, who I don't think any has has any financial reason to lie. I've never experienced anything that viscerally made me question the value of love. You're playing a video game that leaves you questioning the value of love. What the hell is that? Uh, coming up next hour, uh, boy, we're going to get into a city council meeting that got disrupted. Is it free speech being shut down? And we're going to interview Newt Gingrich for a little bit. Armstrong and Getty. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.